Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now... He gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Visit them at milwaukeeadmirals.com. It is Sparky's Midday Madness here on 1250 AM. The fan. I'm Toby Altizer. In for Steve Sparky, five for today, alongside Adam Roberts here in the Lakeland University studios. Offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. And Sparky's Midday Madness is presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. And they've got a garage sale coming up, Adam. That's right, Toby. It's coming up on the 28th next week, Tuesday, and also June 29th, that's a week from today. That's the date that most of you are going to want to pencil in because that is the day the sale will be open to the general public, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. on Wednesday. Uh, Tuesday will be 4 to 8 for full and half-season ticket members. And if you go to this lovely garage sale, you'll find yourself some game-worn jerseys, new and game-used sticks, game-used equipment, all priced significantly Toby below retail value. You can check that out next Tuesday and Wednesday at Panther Arena, downtown Milwaukee. Tuesday and Wednesday, the Admirals Garage Sale. Got some breaking news on the Ooh. fan, and breaking news on the fan is brought to you by the Beat the Streak podcast. Get an inside edge on how to win the $5.6 million prize every day this baseball season. Listen on Odyssey or wherever you get your podcasts. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN is reporting. Milwaukee Bucks guard Pat Connaughton is exercising his $5.7 million player option to return to the Milwaukee Bucks for the 2022-2023 season. Not too surprising, Toby. I thought that there was a chance that he might opt out and then re-sign with the team for a larger number, but at the same point, he kind of is able to, I think, get the money that he wants. I think maybe he'd like a little bit more, but he's going to get a significant chunk of change there, $5.7 million. And then he's still able to stay in Milwaukee where he's got so much invested in this community. He's got so much invested in real estate and all the different things that he does. So, you know, I don't think he was ever going to go anywhere, but... Nice to see that he's going to come back for a cheaper price. Maybe you can get some of the other guys back as well. We'll see what happens with Bobby Portis. But one question mark about this team after this season was Pat Connaughton and the player option. And now we know for sure, again, Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting that Pat Connaughton is exercising his player option and will be back with the Bucks this coming season. So that's a good thing ahead of the NBA draft tomorrow. All right, so... I went on a trip over last weekend, and I I had a lot of fun. I got to go to different events, uh, went to a Tigers game, first time at Comerica Park, kind of impromptu, also went to an LPGA Tour event on the way home in Grand Rapids area, and I had so much fun at that event. I think it was really well done. I think it was so well put together. The prices were affordable and everything, and... Honestly, ever since then, it's been 
at the forefront of my mind nonstop. Just the event itself and being able to walk around and the stuff you were able to do. And it's been something that I really enjoyed. So I want to know, what are your most memorable fan experiences in sports? What are your most memorable sports fan experiences? 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250AM-THE-FAN. And the reason that I think it was so memorable is because it's a it's not a PGA Tour event, and so there were fewer people there. So, you know, it was U.S. Open week, so, you know, many golf fans maybe stayed at home and watched the U.S. Open, or whatever the case may be. But the crowds weren't too big, so you were able to kind of walk around and have some freedom of walking around and watching the different players you wanted to watch. The The food prices were really affordable. You could buy a hot dog for a dollar. You could buy a can of soda for a dollar, a bottle of water for a dollar. And then if you wanted to buy an ice cream even, I bought an ice cream at one point. That also only cost a dollar. Uh, I think some of the other more premium food options or whatever you want to call them with like a, they had like a teriyaki meatballs, which I got with that cost two bucks. Uh, beer costs like three bucks for a can. So it, it was very affordable. If you wanted to go to this event, it only cost $12 for tickets, free parking. And then they bust you right over there. So I, I think, you know, in terms of an event, you know, I've been to events with more on the line. I've been to events where, you know, there was more at stake and maybe the intensity level was higher. You know, I had the opportunity and was really thankful to be able to go and cover game six of the NBA finals last year. And so obviously nothing is really going to match up to that sort of intensity, that sort of environment where you could feel the tension in the city of Milwaukee and the excitement throughout the city before and after the game. So it didn't match that. But you also can't get into a regular Bucks game and spend five bucks on food, you know, those sort of things. So the, the fan experience overall was absolutely incredible, and and that's what I want to know. What, what's your most memorable fan experience? Because I, I can't honestly, it's something that I'm going to remember for a while. You know, I got to see some of my favorite golfers. Got to see Lexi Thompson, Lydia Ko, Nelly Corda, Jessica Corda. Uh, Jennifer Cupcho ended up winning the tournament, those sort of things. And it it, it really was a memorable experience for me that it made me want to go back immediately and go to another one. You know, I've been to plenty of sporting events where, you know, it was awesome. It was fun. It's something that you think about for the next day or so. But is it something that you want to go out of your way and you're researching all these different things of how can I get back to go do something like that? That wasn't the case for this. This one, I honestly, been looking at their schedule, different pl- places you can go watch, whatever the case may be. Uh, th- there have been a couple other experiences I've had like that, but I want to hear from you guys. 414-799-1250. You can tweet us at 1250 AM. The fan, again, what's your most memorable sports fan experience? Adam, do you have one in, that you can think of in particular that kind of stands out to you? Well, uh, I think just if we're going purely based on what you've kind of set as the precedent for the conversation, which is an experience that makes you want to come back for more. I think back to when I was younger, my dad would take us because we could only usually go to about one brewer game a year. We Mm -hmm. would do about one brewer game. It was usually uh, during the summer, but what we would do would go, we would go up to Appleton and go to Wisconsin Timber Rattlers games, class high affiliate. Back then, they were the uh, Mariners affiliate, and now obviously they're under the Brewers umbrella. So kind of for the same reasons that you brought up with the LPGA event you went to, they're kind of the same reasons that I always as a kid was really struck by going to Timber Rattlers games because my dad never seemed to really worry that much about how much food we were eating, which meant that it must have been available at a pretty nice price. And I've been to T-Rats games since then, uh, not for a while, obviously, but uh, with living in the cross, you know, but I have been able to get to games even as a young adult. And it is still one of those things that makes me very sad then that minor league teams across America are being axed at the rate mm-hmm. that they are because these are and I've said this on this show before I said this on my lacrosse show before even I worked here, minor league sports and things like the Northwoods League for baseball um, the AHL and hockey, et cetera, et cetera. It's so important to have these because it is a good alternative for families 
who and I I've beaten this drum so much since I started working here who feel priced out of professional sports. If you can go and bring, let's say for and I don't I'm not a family guy, so I don't know how much the average family spends when they go to one of these things. But if you're a guy like me or like yourself, Toby, and if we've got a 20 sitting in our wallet, I feel comfortable or at least fairly comfortable that I can go to an AHL game like the Milwaukee Admirals uh-huh, or a T-Rats game and get my food, uh-huh. get my fill, and maybe have a couple bucks left in my wallet when I leave rather than you know going to a Brewers game and going to the cocktail stand with that same 20 and thinking after I tip the bartender and get my drink, I might owe still a couple bucks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that's the nice part is, you know, there's different things. I think there's different appeals for different sporting events. You know, I'll talk about a couple more that I've been to. But again, sort of the appeal that you mentioned with a minor league feel or an LPGA event where I think they understand that they're maybe never going to reach the popularity of a PGA just for whatever reason. But they they understand that, and so in turn, they're more open. You know, they're signing autographs afterwards. The players seem more approachable. You can get closer to the action. And I think that's some of the appeal with a Timber Rattlers game or an Admirals game or something like that. They understand that they're not the highest level. They understand that, you know, people will probably staying at home watching the U.S. Open at the LPG, instead of the LPGA Classic. Or, you know, they understand that, you know, they're, the, the ads understand that they're feeding the Predators and the Predators are still the top dog or the T-Rats understand that the Brewers are still the top dog. They understand all these things. And so they're going to make it so that how can we appeal to the fans in turn, understanding that we're maybe not going to give them the the highest quality product because that's going to be reserved for the top teams. But how can we make sure that the fans still enjoy it and giving them an opportunity to pay affordable prices for food and tickets is one or parking and then also making sure that it's very accessible and it makes you feel a little more intimate with the players and you're you're kind of in it. And I think that minor league sports specifically like you mentioned Adam have done a really good job. I went to a I think it's a double A affiliate of the Texas Rangers game one time the Frisco Rough Riders and on a Sunday you know, before the game, you had the opportunity to go out on the field, and if you brought a glove and ball, you could play catch with your dad or whatever the case may be out on the field. And those sort of things, I think, are really special, and you never, you really are rarely going to get that opportunity to do that at a Brewers game, or, you know, you're, you're not going to get the ability to do these sort of things at the highest level because, obviously, they have to leave up a a sense of professionalism that these other ones don't necessarily have to live up to. And in turn, they get to kind of give you a more fun fan experience. And I think that's awesome. And I'll say this also, Toby, about the Northwoods League in particular, because that's a league coming from where I mm-hmm. did that was very heavily involved in the community that they were in, with lacrosse being a town of like 55 some odd thousand people. One of the things when we had Tim Dillard in studio on the big show a couple of weeks ago. I didn't get to talk with him about this on the air, but I talked off air a little bit about how with these Northwoods League teams, they have they give the players who are coming from places like Arizona State or UCLA, Florida, Florida State, these blue blood college baseball programs where they are very sheltered and very much in their own little world of college baseball. By the way, shout out College Baseball World Series going on right now. Uh, Notre Dame sadly eliminated. They look shocked watching them lose that game. But these kids go to these towns like Lacrosse, Wisconsin, or if you're playing for the Lakeshore Chinooks or the Kenosha Kingfish or wherever, and they're thrown into these environments that are very much like a minor league class, low A, high A place, where you go from being the big fish in your small pond to someone that nobody knows in an even smaller pond. And you have to learn pretty quickly that it's very important as a professional athlete to develop a connection with the community you are playing in. And these minor league teams do a good job of, like you said, fostering these types of situations for players to really feel like they're connected to the community they're involved in. And I always noticed that with the Northwoods League, it was very easy for players and fans to interact, whereas at the professional level, it does kind of feel more like 
a staged event? Like, is this person really here because they want to support the community? In many cases, they do. But you're always wondering, maybe as a fan, are they here to be here or are they here because company A, B, and C have provided them the wonderful opportunity to come out here today? Yeah, and I think, you know, that's part of the fun, too, with going to some of these events is, you know, it's a more organic way, you know, when you talk about exactly. the different ways that you can enjoy sports, you know, do you enjoy baseball or do you just enjoy Major League Baseball, you know, because there's a difference, you know, are you going to go down and watch a local high school game? Are you going to go watch a, you know, a, a Northwoods League? We talked with Kevin Holden yesterday on the afternoon show, and he went and watched some Cape Cod League games, and I thought it was interesting the way he brought it up. You've heard of the Cape, Cape Cod League. You've heard of the Northwoods League, and you understand what they kind of are. He said at the Cape Cod League, there's no attendance, you know, admittance. Like, you, you just pull up to the field. You know where the games are going on. You sit up a lawn chair and watch some baseball. Like, there's nothing more organic than that, and I think sometimes we lose that with professional sports, and that's why I think sometimes when you do these other things – that are a little bit out of the normal realm. You know, you go to something other than a Bucks or a Brewers game or a Packers game. You get to enjoy some other things that you're maybe not used to at those sort of events. I do want to get some of your guys' thoughts. What's your favorite or most memorable sports experience as a fan? 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250AM. The Fan, I'm Toby Altizer, in for Sparky today on Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250AM. The Fan. Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The Fan, presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. I'm Toby Altizer. That's Adam Roberts. Make sure you keep it tuned here. After Sparky's Midday Madness, I'll still be in on the Fan Afternoon Show. You also have a chance at some Summerfest tickets, so make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out the Bart Winkler Show in the mornings all week long and the Fan Afternoon Show all week long for your chance to win some Summerfest tickets. Talking about sports fan experiences, what's your most memorable, what's your favorite sports fan experience? 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250AMTheFan. I think a lot of people's will be simply the the Bucks winning the NBA championship last year, whatever the, that case may be. I, I would not be surprised to see that be the answer because – you know, that, that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience a lot of times, unless you're living in New England where every one of your teams seems to win every single time they, they do anything. You have very few times where your team is the one that finally gets to be able to win a championship. That's what Tyler says, tweeting at 1250 AM The Fan. His favorite fan experience was last summer in the Deer District. Experiencing a championship in Milwaukee was everything I dreamed of and more. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting one too because if you, you know, if you were in the stadium, obviously that'd be unique. If you were in Pfizer Forum, that was unique and you know, I was lucky to have that opportunity and the, the stadium was electric and the fans inside really brought an energy that I don't I don't know that I've ever seen matched at anything. So that's absolutely correct, but that dynamic out in the Deer District had to be phenomenal as well. Getting out to watch that championship with what was the the stupid number like 60,000 people outside I mean I have pictures from you know that little that little lookout area in Pfizer and you just can't you can't even see the ground there's so many people out there I I can't even imagine standing out there watching it with all the people down in the Deer District and that's got to be an incredible experience as well as someone who was there for game three I definitely enjoyed myself I didn't go with anybody I told the story on the big show about how I drove across the state for the game and went back to work immediately after I was done. And yeah, it was something I will never forget. Now, I would say, I don't know if I would do it again, because I don't know if it would be as authentic the second time around. Yeah, I mean, it's a first time you get to do that sort of thing. And, you know, afterwards, you can never replicate the first time, you know. I, I understand that. It was It was awesome being able to watch that run. And so I would totally understand if that's your answer. Another thing that I think was one of my favorite fan experiences, and I've been able to do it twice now, watching a game at Lambeau Field. Just spectacular. The first time I went, I went with my cousin, and we had some pretty good seats, and we watched the then Redskins versus the Packers, and 
It was a it was a good game. But even more so than watching Aaron Rodgers and watching my terrible team, it was being in Lambeau Field and being able to experience it and looking around and just thinking of all the history that had happened there. And then the second time I went, another game between Washington and Green Bay just this past season. And really, this time when I went by myself, I caught myself looking around during all the you know dead time that there is in an NFL game and just looking around at, wow, look at this, look at these names up here. And pretty soon what's going to be cool is we'll be able to see Leroy Butler's name up there. That is going to be awesome. That's going to be awesome to see his name up there. But just to look around and think about all the people that have played on that field and the history that Lambeau and just the environment that you get created up in Green Bay, you know, going to a coffee shop across the street, you know, at one of the hotels there before the game and then walking around Titletown before the game and doing different things. That whole experience was up there as well as something that's very unique, especially among NFL teams. It's a professional environment, but because it's in Green Bay as opposed to a bigger city, it it doesn't it has a more minor league feel to it. It has a more intimate feel to it where you can enjoy everything going on around. Now the prices weren't cheap like a, you know, the event I mentioned, but just an awesome environment as well. So that's got to be up there as one of my favorite experiences as well, Adam. Something I've always wanted to do and I know a lot of people have done this um with baseball is doing a road trip where you go to as many major league baseball parks as you possibly can. And that's, I think, one of the things that makes that in particular something that sticks and why people do this and they don't say, I'm going to go hit every NFL stadium, I'm going to hit every NBA arena, is because every baseball stadium is just a little bit different. That's one of the beauties of baseball as a sport that some people don't often realize or think about all that much is that the nature of the sport is that every stadium is going to be just a little bit different. With NBA arenas, you know, you can have some things that are a little bit different, but at the end of the day, it's essentially seats surrounding a wood rectangle in the middle of an arena. And it's kind of the same, but with grass or turf for a football field. With baseball, every baseball field is angled or built and architecturally designed just a little bit different. Not to mention, like you've said, the areas outside the stadiums are all different. You have the vast differences of a giant parking lot with tailgaters here in Milwaukee and maybe a place like Kansas City versus a place like going to, um, trying to remember, like Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati mm-hmm. where they have that giant baseball hall of fame or going to Target Field in Minneapolis, which is built right into a city, a Safeco Field in Seattle right along the coast and with all the mountains in the background. Uh, one of my favorite baseball stadiums I've ever been to is Coors Field in Denver, which is just is so cool for the urban neighborhood that's built around it. And then, of course, you're 5,000 feet in the air, and baseballs just love to fly, which is always fun to watch, too. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I love how unique baseball stadiums are because I was able to, on my trip as well, get, as well, get to go to Comerica Park for the first time out in Detroit. And you get, you know, I love Miller Park and everything that it has, but you don't get a city skyline out the center field gate. You know, you don't see it when you're sitting in the upper deck. You don't see a city skyline. I think that may, may be the one thing that's missing from that ballpark is that sort of thing. Whereas Comerica, you look out into you know, center field and you can see all the high rises. You can see downtown Detroit. And I think that's really cool. I, I really do enjoy some of the uniqueness. And again, talking with Kevin Holden yesterday, he was out in New England talking about how Fenway is unique because, you know, it's just built into the middle of the city and there's streets that kind of dictate the the way that the park is built. You know, the reason that there is a green monster in left is because the left field wall was going to be so short that they had to come up with a way that they weren't going to give up a home run every time someone hit it to left because the street is right there. There's nothing they can really expand on. There's a literal city street right behind it. So they said, you know what? We'll build a really tall wall here in left field, and that'll be the way that we combat the the problems with having a shorter wall. So those are the kind of cool things, like you mentioned, that are unique things about baseball stadiums that I really enjoy as well. Chuck, our resident Colorado Avalanche fan, tweets at 12.50 a.m. the fan and at you, the stadium series game in 2020 between the Avs and the Kings on the Air Force football field. 
says it was not the best experience because the Air Force was not prepared, but it was very memorable to watch anyway. That's from Chuck, the resident Avs fan, uh, who uh, his team, they dropped a stinker the other night, 6-2 to two to the Tampa Bay Lightning, getting in my five seconds of hockey talk. That uh, was the game I watched. Oh, if you wait, we'll talk a little. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hockey here in just a second. Oh, okay. We'll talk hockey in just a second, but Hmm. I want to get your thoughts. 414-799-1250. Let's get to Rocket in West Dallas. Rocket, what's going on, man? Hey, man, thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Um, I just have a wonderful memory. Um, I think it was maybe 2000, it was the first or second year of Miller Park. Me and my buddy had uh, 20 game package tickets, and we were sitting right behind um, home plate, just, just above the nets. And uh, I brought my glove along. You know, my buddy was there, and... uh, Sure enough, real core meal, a pitcher, fouled off a ball, and I had my glove, and I caught it. And I always, still to this day, wonder what Mr. Euchre would have said. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I've never caught a foul ball or anything. Yeah, I had had missed on two opportunities before that, um, but this is one I had my glove on. And my friend who was with me says, like, what are you bringing a glove for? And after I caught that fall ball, I was like, can I have your glove? <laughs> yeah, I always bring a glove to the ball game. The real question is, did you keep the baseball or give it to a kid? Oh, no. That was my only baseball. Yeah, so see. I kept it. So I, um, okay, so but, I was, I was but, making fun of Rami yesterday because I saw something that happened at the Angel Stadium where a guy had given a ball to a kid and then the kid got another ball and he gave it back to the guy. And I've kind of made fun of Rami about that. But in your situation, if that's the only ball you ever had or that's the first one you'd ever gotten, I absolutely would not give that away. Well, here's the weird thing. I asked my mom if she wanted those tickets that night. Um, and she said no. If she had been in that seat, she'd have gotten hit in the head. <laughs> <laughs> There's no other way to explain it. But I was there at the glove, and I caught the ball, and it was such a, a joyful experience. I mean, it just was. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate the fact that Rocket is on Team Take a Glove to the Ballpark because I am on the same – maybe I'm a dork. I don't really care. I'm taking a glove to the ballpark. If I'm anywhere that I can get it, unless I'm sitting in the 400s, I'm taking a glove to the ballpark. Are you that guy, Adam? I mean, I guess so. I haven't been to enough baseball games recently to gauge. I When I was a kid, I was definitely bring glove to ballpark. You know, if you haven't, Toby, caught in a foul ball, i got to hook you up with Zach Hampel. He does those no. games where he takes fans to the game with him. He'll catch you about four dozen probably. I'll, I'll pass. I, I have a couple of Major League Baseballs, so I don't necessarily need one. Ah. I, I you Sometimes I'll go to BP and I like to go and 
then I'll just get a ball and I'll give it to a kid or whatever. I, well, I good enjoy for you. doing those sort of things. But yeah, I, I have balls, uh, Major League Baseballs, <laughs> so I'm, I'm fine. I do want to talk a little hockey real quick and give you your chance to break down the Stanley Cup because that was the other one I was going to bring up before. I do want to replay Tim Dillard from yesterday on the big show. He, he had an interesting interview uh, the guys are going to do oh, that yeah. during the big show. but I've never heard so much them. talk about muddy baseballs in my life. <laughs> but uh, hockey, that might be my favorite sport to go watch in person. I love – it's not my favorite sport, period. Like, I, I love football more. Uh, I love basketball, baseball. But hockey in person is electric. I've only been to one hockey game, and it was Capital Stars, and it was electric. And – I don't think it's any coincidence that the year I went, the Capitals won the Stanley Cup. Certainly not. And you know, Toby, uh, I always find it amusing when I hear people who have bashed hockey on television for years and ho-humming it all the time. They go to their first hockey game, and it's like the greatest thing since sliced bread. There was this, I don't remember his name, but there was this guy on Twitter, I think, about three years ago who lived in St. Louis. He'd never even remotely thought about hockey, and then he was watching it on TV, so he wasn't at the game, but he was watching a Blues game, and he has like this 40-tweet-long thread where he's just reacting in real time to even just the most minute thing, like someone doing a one-timer, and it goes over into the glass in the net. It doesn't hit anybody. It just is Mm -hmm. a normal occurrence. It gets caught by the net, and he's just fascinated, like, Oh my God, that went so fast. If that net wasn't there, someone's getting their head sliced off. And it's just all caps. He's reacting to this first hockey game in real time. And I just thought, eh, first game. This is probably what most people are thinking in their heads when they go in real life. Yeah, I mean, that's why hockey's great. And if you've never been to one, go check out an Admiral's game. There's nothing better. Hockey in person is just... So different than watching it on TV, and it's such a great sport to enjoy and experience in person. Like, I I went, and I was sitting in the second deck, and you can hear them slapping the, their stick on the ice, calling for the puck. You can hear, you can follow the puck so much better. It's amazing. I've actually got one more, because you gave a couple of different examples of sure. a good fan experience. I'll give you one more, but it's got a little lemon twist in it. Okay. So, back in college... My friend, who I was in my fraternity with, he went into and joined the club hockey team for the UWL Eagles. They didn't have a D3 hockey program, but they had a club team. And when I say that this was a club team, it was the kind of club team where it's not like with an organized setup. It was very much, it felt like a step above intramurals, but they would play other club teams from across the state. And I remember one day they were playing Marion University from Fond du Lac. And he texted me beforehand saying, hey, my coach had to leave because his wife is going into labor. So we need a coach. What are you doing at three? (laughs) And I, I was like, well, I was planning on taking a nap, but it looks like I'm about to go coach a club hockey game. And basically, I got out of bed, threw my jacket on, went down to Green Island Ice Arena and coached this club hockey team. Which I've, I talk about hockey a lot. I can skate. I can play. But as far as the ins and outs of like designing plays and coordinating and communicating with a team, completely foreign to me. But they were just like, all right, just you know, take your bare basic bones knowledge of hockey and let's go out there and win a game. And you know what, Toby? You know what happened? Y'all win? We lost seven to one. <laughs> but when we scored that one goal, we were so excited. And then we gave up five straight. And yeah, it was mostly just a fun time had by all. And they were they were not competitive that year. Yeah, that's a pretty unique experience. It sounds like fun. What what what's your favorite, your most memorable sports experience? 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250 AM. When we come back on Sparky's Midday Madness, I do want to hear the interview that the guys had on the big show yesterday with Tim Dillard from Valley Sports, Wisconsin. That comes up next here on 1250 AM, The Fan. Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM, The Fan. I'm Toby Altizer. That's Adam Roberts. Sparky's Midday Madness is presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals, and they've got a garage sale coming up, Adam. 
That's right, Toby. It is officially the second day of summer today, and that means we are fully in garage sale season, S-Z-N, and there will be one coming up downtown Milwaukee at Panther Arena Tuesday and Wednesday next week, featuring game-worn jerseys, new and game-used sticks, and other game-used equipment, all priced significantly below retail value. 4 to 8 p.m. on Tuesday for full and half-season ticket members, and the general public is welcome 11 to 7 on Wednesday at Panther Arena in downtown Milwaukee. I also have to shout out the Admirals on Twitter. Uh, I would probably do this even if they weren't a sponsor for us just because it's kind of funny. So I'm, I'll am i be honest with you, Toby. I'm usually about one or two trends behind when it comes to like trending things on Twitter, like for jokes. Like when it comes to sports news, I'm usually good sure. as we should be as producers. Yeah, it's probably kind of part of our job. Probably, but when it comes to like things that are trending, jokes, humors, memes, whatever, I'm usually one or two behind. I guess there's been one going on where people will tweet, "They're a ten, but mm-hmm. something," mm-hmm. and the admirals have one out that's, "They're a ten, but they hated the fish fry jerseys." Mm. Dot dot dot. That's kind of a deal breaker. Mm. We got those fish fry t-shirts, Sparky and I. I still wear it unironically wherever I go. Um, so, yeah, that would be a deal breaker. Yeah, you got to love those fish fry uniforms. Those things were awesome. Again, I've... you want to talk about fan experience. You're not going to see the Brewers wearing fish fry jerseys. Now, could th- there still was that thing about them wanting to wear lederhosen as one of their city connects. <laughs> we didn't get that. We did get the powder blues. Yeah, I do like that. I do like that. I'm still not sold on those jerseys. I might have to go down to the ballpark on Friday, though, and see what they look like. So Tim Shea, um, Mr. Late Guy, uh, (laughs) he um, he was wearing the City Connect hat today when I came in. He had it. I guess his friend is like an avid hat collector, and he he was at the game last night, and he told me he was staring at it in the team store for 10 minutes deciding whether or not he wanted to purchase it and he ultimately went with it so i got to look at it up close in person and i'm mixed about it too i can see why a hat collector like his friend would be interested in it because it is unique and it does that thing like the glove ball and glove logo with the the secret mb it's kind Mm -hmm. of the same thing but it just it feels a little busy it feels like there's a lot of hats too but i don't know if i like it I don't know. I mean, I like the if, if they could just put the Brewers Grill logo with the ball. That's the best one. Well, I'll tell you right now. We had Rick Schlesinger on the Big Show earlier today, and he did mention that while they don't have it right now, they would like to incorporate it in some merchandise later. Like he said, there's supply chain issues right now, so they they're kind just of make not that with the it primary now, logo. But they do get rid of the ball eventually. and glove. I'm just kidding. Just make that the all-time everyday <laughs> yeah. logo. There's nothing more Milwaukee than tailgating. Come on. Come on. Nothing beats it. All right, I do want to hear from Tim Dillard. Here's what he had to say on the big show yesterday with Gary, Sparky, and Leroy. Not really. I, I, I would say it's more the fans, right? It's the energy that the game brings. It's any time the Brewers play the Cubs. You know, you almost have 50% fans on either side. You just... So the energy in the building is what creates it and makes it even more than just an everyday ball game. Uh, it, and last night, it felt like playoff baseball. That's what they were playing. Both teams are playing for the playoffs right now in June, and that's exactly what everybody felt. And you know what? I think it comes, you know, the elevated play and the and the feeling of that, it, it comes from what the fans bring into the building. Talk with Tim Dillon. He's brought to you by Robert Heck Diamonds every week where they pay cash for your gold. Visit them in Greenfield at 76th and Layden or their new location in Brookfield, roberthackdiamonds.com. Okay, I, I got a stupid question. Is, it, is that okay? I don't know. Yeah, I actually prefer these. <laughs> so I'm sitting watching a game last night, and my girl says to me, you know, how many baseballs do they go through? During a game, why? Why every time when the ball hits the ground, they throw it away? Why can't he just throw it back to the pitcher? What he goes, he only threw that ball one time, hit the ground, they threw it away. They gave him another one. Why do they do that? I yeah, go, like I don't know. Years ago, the average lifespan of a baseball was like four pitches, and four to six, I think. Now it's probably less than that. If a ball hits the ground and it gets a little scuff on it. I don't know how many pitchers would know what to do with that, but there is a time when, you know, you in spring training, you would talk to some of these old pitching coaches and they would 
they would give you instruction on what to do when you got a scuffed baseball. Because if you can make it move and manipulate it in such a way that it's abnormal, you can make it sink, you can make it cut. Um, like I said, I don't know how many pitchers would know how to use it now, but I think the idea is that guys throw really hard and they want to know where it's going no matter what. So, yeah, $17 baseball or whatever it is, let's have another one. So what about when a pitcher throws the ball back to the catcher uh, to throw it out of play or back to the umpire and want a new baseball? What normally is that? Is that stalling uh, and that's all it is, or is there more to what something might be wrong with the baseball? Man, I could answer that like five different ways. Um, I, I, I know players that do it on purpose just to get rid of a get rid of a baseball, to throw a nice little soft to throw to the umpire or the catcher to kind of to kind of just buy time or let the let the hitter just kind of wait a little longer. There's other guys that, you know what, there's been issues with the baseball. I've talked to a number of pitchers already this year that say that there's every baseball is almost different. You know, you can pick it up and it feels like a college baseball, how high the seams are. Um, so I think a lot of times guys just want a new ball because whatever reason it doesn't look right and doesn't feel right and they don't want any part of it. And you know what, the umpires too, they, uh, they're supposed to rub these balls up right before the game. Like that's even in the rule book, rub these balls up with a special, you know, mud that was dictated by major league baseball, but they don't do it. They rub them up for a series or the clubby will rub them up a week in advance. So by the time it gets to a pitcher's hand, the mud has dried off and they want a better grip and they don't want that baseball. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, but it's very strategic at times. Uh, but for the ultimate goal, it's for the pitcher to make the best pitch possible. How many baseball you th- baseballs you think they go through during one game? My goodness. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just well, saying. You, you start looking at how many pitches are thrown right. you know, at all. And very rarely, if a ball's hit in play, a guy catches it, throws it to the shortstop, they throw it around the horn, get it back to the pitcher. Um, and maybe they use that ball, but golly, uh, I bet there's 250 pitches thrown by both sides collectively, probably four, between 400 and 500 baseballs. Um, I don't know. You're probably looking at 200 baseballs, 250. That's right. a great question. I'm going to find out today. Yeah, yeah, because and I was wondering that because you said, and plus the ball's got to be, I don't know when you use the word, doctored up, but rubbed down. So are they rubbing yeah. these balls down before the game or two days before the game? Or where, are these balls sitting somewhere? Then they all bring them out. The umpire gets them. Where, where are these balls located? Yeah. Woo, bring them out. Bring them out. You got to – they're in a box that comes from, like, Costa Rica. And then they, uh, they're individual dozens. They take them out, and they're in plastic or paper, so they got to undo them. And then they're slick. They're super slick. Uh, the leather hasn't been touched at all. So then they use a special mud that comes from the Delaware River from a guy that is, he goes and fishes this mud out of this river with a bucket, doesn't tell anybody where it is. There's a whole article online about it. It's really cool. And the guy drags it back to, like, his garage, and he, he, he puts it in these little jars and sends these jars to – all the 30 teams, and then they take out the mud, and they, they're supposed to rub these balls down. The umpires are actually supposed to do it, so they start delegating to bat boys and clubbies, and, you know, then they tip them and say, hey, you know, rub these down. Um, and the, what it is is just to make the baseball consistent across the board for every single team, every single pitcher. Uh, the problem is that sometimes, you know, MLB steps in and decides that's not good enough. We need to change it a little bit, and that's why you get a pitcher that will get a ball, and he'll just sit there and go, no, I'm not doing this. It's either too slick because the mud's dried off, um, or maybe it's you know been sitting in the umpire's satchel for too long. And right. It just doesn't feel right. You know, there could be all sorts of stuff that goes on, but they want a consistent baseball. So the cat in Delaware, are we? Is he getting paid for this mud <laughs> that he's using? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't know the full story. I have, it's been a, it's been about two years since I've read the article, but it is kind of a fascinating thing. The guy is uh, like second generation of going and finding this mud. Um, and then dispatching it across baseball because, uh, for whatever reason, at one time or other, they decided this is the best mud to stick onto a baseball. This is absolutely crazy. So you think about this team. They know. go through 200 yeah. baseballs. Now, no, I looked this it up. is around I, the major leagues, yeah, I, right? I, I looked it 200 up. baseballs yeah. they go through, through I one game. I looked it game. up. They're saying the Athletic just did an article May 26th. It says baseball estimates between eight and ten dozen baseballs are used in every major league baseball game. So how do you go through ninety six to one hundred and twenty baseballs every single night? So somewhere around one hundred to one hundred and twenty, they're thinking they go through every night according to baseball, and they're rubbed up by yeah, some special money. It's going to be more than that. It's going to be more than that. 
I mean, just, just, just by what's going on across the Bay, just watch a game, right? Like, just watch a game, and you're going to be like, nah, that's, I think it's more than that. But who knows? That's still a lot of baseballs regardless, and that's a lot of money so being spent. Where, where, now, so where do those used balls, where do they go? Good question. Great question. Yeah, they, they end up probably in the batting practice or in the, the batting cage. Um, and especially with protocols in place since the pandemic, you know, guys have the you know, teams who travel with their own baseball. So now you have to put them in bags that travel and go with the teams. So now you have like home baseballs, you have travel baseballs, and now you need throwing baseballs too. So the outfielders and infielders, they throw with whatever ball they can find. That's no big deal. But you also have to have rubbed up fresh new baseballs for the pitchers because when they're warming up and they're throwing their bullpen, you can't just have a, a ball that's been in batting practice and hit off the warning track a few times. You've got to have a decent baseball so they know how their pitches are going to play when they're throwing bullpens and slack grounds and all that kind of stuff. So there's a sheer enormous look when it comes to baseballs across 30 teams. I think we tried to figure it out one time and uh, I, I think there's like $250,000 worth of baseballs for each team a year is what uh, was once estimated. I got to say, when we started this interview, I did not think we were going to be talking baseballs for a majority of the interview, but here we are. (laughs) Hey, you heard from Tim Dillard yesterday on the big show with the guys from Valley Sports Wisconsin. That's crazy, though, the amount of baseball. I've always thought about that and, like, how much do they spend on the baseballs, but it's absurd when you hear some of the numbers on how many they use and how much they spend on it. Especially in this economy. Yeah. That's nuts. All right, we'll wrap up Sparky's Midday Madness next here on 1250 AM, The Fan. Sparky's Midday Madness here on 1250 AM, The Fan. I'm Toby Altizer in for Steve Sparky Pfeiffer today alongside Adam Roberts. Talked a little bit about this on the big show. Adam, are you an NBA draft guy? Do you care? You know, I obviously I'm interested to see where people go, and but I'm more so with the NBA draft I'll see the results afterwards, and I don't have to be dialed in nonstop. NFL draft, totally opposite. NBA draft, eh, it's whatever. Your Bart is showing a little bit right now. It's very obvious that you've done a lot of work with him. That's the basically exact same thing he said this morning on his show when Mike the Painter tried to get exclusive draft analysis from Bart. Basically said, I don't know. Get to me afterwards, and then I'll tell you all you want to know about whoever they draft. But before, I'd have no idea. Usually, I think I would be the person that would usually be dialed into all these things, and I just, I don't know. It's not the way I've been with the NBA draft. I am that way with the NFL draft. I'll make my own mock draft. I'm going through and looking at all the prospects. I'm reading all the big boards. I'm reading all the mock drafts. Not the way with the NBA draft. But to be fair, the NFL draft is just a whole other animal when it comes to player selection, and they have really built that thing into its own calendar event. Like, you could have told me today the MLB draft happened last night, and I would have believed you. I would have had no way of knowing, and I likely would not have really cared that much. And I think we've said this a few times this week on multiple shows, if it was you know, 10 years ago when the Bucks are picking in the lottery and they've got a top 10 selection. I think we talk about this maybe for a week plus, but since they're picking at 24, now there are rumors, of course, that they might be wanting to move up. But if they're picking at 24, it's kind of just like, okay, well, we'll get to know whoever they select. We'll do our homework on them afterwards, and then we'll get either excited or shrug our shoulders and go, okay, just a pick. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is... If this were a case where you were picking really high, then maybe it's different. But I, I, even then, like I said, the the Wizards are picking 10th overall, and all right, cool. I, I wonder, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about this in the Fan Afternoon Show. I, I wonder where you th- sit on this, Adam. Do you think that, in general... Wisconsin fans, I would say generally around the state, I think it might be a little different here in Milwaukee, but around the state care more so about where Johnny Davis goes as opposed to who the Bucks pick. Probably. I mean, he is going to be in person. Scott Grosky, CBS 58, tweeted that out, that he will be well, there. we should have known that. He was already doing that in a commercial. Exactly. <laughs> it was foretold in the long, long ago that was two weeks ago. 
Yeah, so I'm I'm interested to see where he ends up. I think that might be the overwhelming case for a lot of Wisconsin sports fans because I don't know how popular the Bucks are around the state at this point. I think they're more popular now, but I think the overwhelming majority of people are probably keeping an eye on or at least going to be interested in where did Johnny Davis end up? How far did he, when did he end up going in this draft? You know, a lot of people still have him projected as a lottery pick. So interested to see where he ends up, what he's going to end up doing in the NBA. Cause I, I think he could be a really solid player, but you know, so much of the NBA draft is taking a shot on somebody that maybe hasn't even shown you anything. I mean, you know, there's a guy that's projected to go in the top 10, Shaden Sharp, that I've heard Sparky talk about. And Shaden Sharp didn't even play in college. You know, we've seen this with players before. You know, James Wiseman barely played in college. He went number two overall for the Warriors, and then he's barely played. I mean, some of these guys take a while to really even break out, and if they ever do, and they project more so than they go off of what you did in your college time, which I think is really weird, but... I don't know. I mean, that's kind of the way that it goes. And then, of course, it seems like in the NBA draft, you're trying to find a superstar with every first round pick. And it does. We we especially know first round picks do not always turn out to be those stars you hope that they will be. No, that's definitely the case. I mean, you you often want to try to find that guy that can be your franchise cornerstone, but it's usually hard to find that guy, especially outside really of the top five, top three. Just doesn't happen very often. All right, that'll do it for Sparky's Midday Madness. I'll continue to be here. I'll be in on the Fan Afternoon Show, so make sure you keep it here on 1250 AM, The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.